G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Joining on the line, we've got a a special guest today to talk about pastors and burnout. Pastors and the struggles they go through. So I might need to get a bit of prayer at the end of this conversation. Uh, There's some new research just out about how pastors are doing as they lead churches across Australia. Since COVID hit us, Stress, anxiety and mental health issues have become prominent in our workplaces and for pastors, churches are workplaces too. Most of us listening today are not pastors, but we're all interested in what sort of pressures our leaders are under as they serve in our communities. It's not always obvious, but a lot of our amazing, hardworking pastors and ministers could be bordering on burnout. Researcher Valerie Ling is a clinical psychologist leading the Centre for Effective Serving. She's been researching Aussie pastors and clergy and the pressures they face. Her website is effectiveserving.com.au if you'd like to check it out. And she's joining us on the line from Sydney today. Welcome along, Valerie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. No worries. Now, we're going to talk about our topic in a moment, but before that, let's find a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, Mm -hmm. until I was about 11. Okay. And uh, what brought you out to Australia? I figure my mum and dad looked at the situation in Malaysia and thought that we would have some better education opportunities here in Australia. Mm -hmm. So I came out when I was in year seven with um, my mum, my dad and my siblings. Wow. And did you have like a religious upbringing at all? I did. I grew up in a Christian home Mm -hmm. and had to find my way through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we moved to Australia, I suppose one of the first things was to find a a church for us to belong to. Mm -hmm. And were you always a believer or was there like a, a conversion experience as a teenager? Tell us your story. So I grew up in a Christian family, but like most adolescents, you get to a point where you start to wonder whether this is something that you want to have as your own faith. I was about 15 or 16, and I thought to myself, you know what, um, maybe I'll just try to do life without God. So I resigned. Uh, I actually prayed and said, thanks, God, um, but I'll do things on my own now. (laughs) So that was roughly about year nine or year 10. And roughly about that time, um, Tiananmen Square happened as well. And I remember sitting in class um, with, you know, just trying to figure out what have we just witnessed on the news and then really prompted to think, gosh, how do human beings solve these sorts of things? This is my first encounter, I think, with, um, you know, a, a global scale event. And I really wrestled with that. I realized that the things that I had discovered and learned from the Bible suddenly became real for me. And I remember going back on my knees and saying, well, God, it looks like you're the only way, uh, the truth and the life in situations like this. And so I gave my life back to Jesus when I was about, yeah, about 16. Okay. 
And did everyone notice the change in your life? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I, still, I still had a lot of adolescent years to go through. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us about uh, your early uh, studies and career. Like, what did you do after school? So I was really blessed that after that event, um, year 11 and 12, some godly men and women would just come alongside me and read the Bible with me and uh, disciple me. And so by the time I hit university, I was sold on Jesus. I thought I was going to now be single and hit the mission field. So I wanted to just buy my time at university and then leave. But again, some very wise people at university said to me, no, 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 there'll come a time when you'll need a professional degree to get anywhere. So I dabbled a little bit in my first year with um, a few different disciplines and eventually settled on psychology because I found that it was fascinating how we could study human behavior. Yeah, so I studied psychology and um, met my husband's first year university and he told me he wanted to be a minister. Well, then, that was the reason to break up, I said. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to put on an apron and bake cookies and serve kids. Um, But that didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. And so I found myself living in Singapore with him getting married and starting ministry. Mm, Wow, fantastic. And tell us a bit about uh, your ministry that your husband's involved with. So my husband is a Presbyterian minister. Uh, He's been involved in a variety of things, church and parish life, as well as missions. He's right now on sabbatical studying. He's back at Bible College. Oh, fantastic. Well, I've just had uh, two months sabbatical over December, January, and uh, after 17 years of pastoring. So I've, I've found it was one of the best things to have a big break like that. Took the wife and kids over to the US for a couple of months, had a great time, filled my tank, you know, had a good rest. Yeah. And uh, now I'm back and it was a bit hard getting back to work just quietly. So I might need some, some advice today. Uh, um, <laughs> can we do some counselling while we, while we go through this uh, research today as well? <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so as a clinical psychologist, you also work with pastors who are doing it tough. Uh, there's the Centre for Effective Serving. Tell us all about it. Yes, so uh, I actually have two entities. One is called the Centre for Effective Living, and that is a Sydney-based psychology practice which with about 70-80% of our clients are Christians, um, seeing individual psychologists for their mental health, mm-hmm. and quite a large proportion of that are pastors and their families who come in for therapy, so that's effective living. Centre for Effective Serving is something I started in the pandemic because I realised that in the workplace, um, in offices and with leadership, uh, people were really struggling with their own mental health. It may not be at clinical levels, but it's about workplace well-being. And so in Effective Serving, I started to have an interest then in terms of how church leadership are doing during the pandemic, what's going to happen in the next few years and how can we support them. So I was on sabbatical myself uh, before I knew a pandemic would hit us (laughs) and uh, took up a master's of leadership and it took me two years, but that's what my research um, has come from is finishing off that master's of leadership. Well, it sounds like a very important ministry that you have because uh, pastors do carry a lot of burdens and you know, the, people often joke that pastors only work one day a week on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, don't they? 
<laughs> I don't know what the big deal is. Why are they all suffering? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, pastors, particularly in the last few years, have been under huge pressures. Yeah. And many yeah. people think pastors are bulletproof. Uh, but they can often, you know, suffer burnout. Um, what's what's your research finding uh, on on that? Definitely. So we got to remember that these are the people who have stayed in ministry because over the last two to three years, we've also had attrition. Um, you know, some people have retired, but also some people have um, really struggled through the pandemic. So I basically polled um, about 200 uh, ministers and asked a couple of questions, mainly to fulfill my leadership assignment, but also for my own curiosity and to help our organization to serve this group uh, more effectively, and discovered that uh, about a third had indicated they had seriously thought about leaving the ministry in the last 12 months. Okay. The top three reasons for leaving would have been uh, work stress, mm-hmm. and loneliness, and uh, concern that their family suffered in the journey. Mm. And about a third were also uh, saying that they had engaged in uh, counseling or therapeutic services in the last 12 months. But one of the things that really surprised me, and this was a last-minute question that I threw in, <laughs> There is a study that tracks the well-being of Australian school principals. And I was reading that because of our effective serving interest in workplace well-being, see how principals were doing, and I was quite alarmed by the level of distress that they've endured. Mm. And one of the questions that they ask Australian school principals through the years is the level of personal threat that they experience being in the job. So harassment, physical violence, teasing, gossip, slander, bullying, you know, those sorts of really personally um, offensive behavior towards them. And that's been on the rise for Australian school principals. And I thought, you know what, nobody's actually really asked clergy this. Not that I've read. Mm-hmm. Let's ask them as well, shall we? We'll throw those questions in. And that was really quite alarming. Obviously, it had strong links with um, ministers burning out, reasons for quitting. But there is a degree of uh, personally threatening things that clergy go through on a regular basis mm. that adds to their stress. So that was one of the things I um, that yes startled me, if you like. Yeah, well, it is it is quite alarming uh, to hear the attacks that different pastors and, and leaders and clergy are under. Um, I think the rise of social media is also a problem because people post all sorts of things online, and they mightn't be factually correct. They just make up stuff and vent their feelings and. You know, I, I often joke that uh, many people go home after church and have roast preacher for lunch. Uh, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> but people yes. just seem to think, well, oh, well, you know, they've they've got a thick skin; they'll be fine. They they signed up for it, uh, but we really need to be a bit more honouring of our leaders, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I call it Monday PTSD. Everybody thinks that I'll just send the one email. You know, I'll just say, oh, 
in your sermon when you said this, I disagree, or um, have you read that book, or did you listen to this podcast, or, you know, really down to some really critical things, and everybody thinks, oh, I'll just send the one. Mm. But it's death by a thousand paper cuts, because if everybody sends that one email on the Monday, right after you've, you know, fellowshiped on a Sunday, and um, pastors are often quite tired after that, mm. it's quite overwhelming. I think probably what's happening in our society is we're getting more and more inclined to see human beings as objects. You know, it's a dehumanized state. We see the role, we see the job, and we just don't see the person. So as a clinical psychologist, looking at the service industries, which is why we're effective serving, it's not necessarily unique to clergy. It would be anybody that's public-facing that has a lot to do with serving the public that are dealing with these sorts of dynamics. Mm. But for me as a Christian, it's just sad to Mm. see it in the church. Mm. Well, we're certainly uh, keen to unpack this topic a little bit more with you. Uh, And we're just going to go to a break in just a moment. We're going to open the phone lines. If you'd like to call and ask a question or make a comment, you can call now. Phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. Maybe you've got a question or a comment. Our guest is Valerie Ling. She's a clinical psychologist and leading the Centre for Effective Serving. She's been researching about Aussie pastors and clergy. And we've got Kira from Brizzy. Have you got a question or a comment? Uh, yes. Uh, good morning, Valerie. And uh, I'm working for a secondary family support program as a family practitioner. And we have a lot of young people and families who are... Um, dealing with struggles and mental health and so my question is um, you know like working from a um, holistic viewpoint I, I'm trying to you know see what sort of recovery models there are to be able to work with these families do you have any suggestions? Valerie what are your thoughts? Hi. Yeah great question I think the pandemic uh, will, we will see the effects on our young people for a few years yet. Lots of sleep dysregulation, uh, not really having time to socialise, and and a lot of academic studies also being disrupted. Sometimes I think families can get lulled into a sense that they've got to try to fix everything, like the sleep and the school and the exercise and the eating, and, and neglect what's really foundational to kids and their mental health, which is to feel loved and to feel that they belong and to have time to connect with their family members. So I like uh, recommending things like going for family walks together. You know, no agenda. Uh, Things like having family meals together where there isn't the TV or screens on and just having moments where we can just play and be with our family members. That's really foundational. You don't get that from anywhere else. I often say to my own kids, Many people outside will like you, but we're the ones that have to love one another. Mm, wonderful. Mm, that's a great answer. Thank you, Valerie. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Kira. And if you'd like to call through and join the conversation, phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. And we've got Fiona from Brisbane. How are you, Fiona? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for taking the call. No worries. Uh, you got a question or a comment? Um, 
Yes, um, I thoroughly agree with everything that you're saying and I'm really glad that you've brought this to the attention of people because I have been saved in a Pentecostal church and um, I noticed that um, it's sort of what I call the twofold ministry. It's like the pastors and the teachers. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, Valerie, if you can answer this. Do you think it's because we're not including the fivefold ministry and spreading the load of all these tasks in the body of Christ and just leaning on the pastor for everything? Yeah, gosh, that's a great question. Um, I guess in, in, in broad leadership thinking, we always have to think about followership. And one of the challenges of church ministry is that we're also reliant on volunteers and volunteers who have had a really rough time over the last few years as well. So legitimately, there are some stress and pressures uh, based on you know what's been happening in the last few years. I think we have to come back to a basic principle of belonging. Every church uh, reaching out to their community and figuring out where are we at, how much more can we do, what's going to really help us to love and fellowship deeply, how can we get to a point where we can forgive one another. It's, it's, it's just basic biblical foundations. Um, is it a heavy load for pastors these days? Well, it is, but at the same time, you know, I've said that about 35% are struggling. There are 65% who are actually doing okay. What is it that helps them? That's one of the things that I'm curious about. Um, my guess is that a sense that they're not alone, that they, they, they have the flexibility to try to adapt the load on them by doing it together with their, with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Fiona, yes. Fiona, does that answer your question? Uh, yes, it yes it does. Um, I think you know it sort of does, but um, yeah, the load certainly needs to be spread in my mind. I've got a business background, a business degree, so I'm thinking in in terms of that that the load needs to be spread across so that the the pastors aren't, aren't overburdened with everything, you know. Absolutely, I've found that to be the case. Uh, that we need to do church as a team. It's not just all up to the, the pastor or the elders. It should be a whole bunch of people bearing the load together. So uh, uh, very good thoughts today, uh, Fiona. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye. Now, Valerie, uh, I'm curious to know a bit about uh, your research. Tell us uh, what kind of church denominations have you been researching? It was open to all Australian clergy, but the top three were Anglican, Presbyterian and Baptist. They represented the majority of the 200 or so who responded. Okay, and do some pastors in any of the denominations face more pressures than others? Well, I looked at uh, a few different things, but one category, well, two actually, so females, uh, tended to rate more burnout uh, in my survey, and also ministers who were solo in their church had rated themselves as being higher in the burnout questions. Mm. So I'm curious about why there would be a higher rate of burnout for women. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I suspect that that's probably uh, a general thing. Women, uh, particularly these days, they hold on jobs, they take care of families, they're often the ones that are organizing social events and in various you know, serving capacities. So they have multiple 
giving and serving roles. And women also tend not to, through whether through guilt or just not knowing how to, to take care of their own needs. So it doesn't surprise me that they would therefore uh, come out higher on the burnout questions. Mm. Yeah. And then the second section you mentioned was that solo pastors were facing a lot of pressures. And uh, I, I guess if you're in a small church and you're the only pastor, uh, you, you've got to bear the burden yourself and you, and you really can't delegate to many people. Would you say that might be one of the, the reasons there? Yeah, so that was another finding I had in my survey. I really asked also how people were leading. Mm. And it did seem like if you had a really follower-centered, like a really doing way of uh, being in ministry, you know, making sure that other people's needs are taken care of, making sure that you're doing a lot of the work yourself, then there is probably links that you're going to feel more drained and more strained and then feel a lot tired. So that's possibly also the way that we do ministry. And I, I think it's complicated by then what... What your congregation expects of your ministry. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm, absolutely. And did you find that the size of the church uh, also impacted whether the pastor was struggling or not? Not in my survey, and that's largely because the larger the church you have, you're probably going to be in a team. Mm. And to be fair, there aren't that many churches that have um, staff sizes that are that are huge. So I didn't find any differences. I mainly found it in the way uh, a pastor was leading Mm -hmm. and in terms of the conflict and the pressures that they were experiencing on the ground. That seemed to be more related to the burnout. And what about if the church was in a city or in a town or in the outback? Did that affect the survey results? That would have been a fantastic question for me to include in my survey. I'll have to wait for the PhD. My guess is is that it would definitely... I mean, if you look at mission statistics, you could probably say that the more remote, the more rural, um, and the more unsupported, like if you don't have healthy, strong support networks, you're probably going to be vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. And what about when it comes to pastors uh, that aren't able to really feel their emotions and uh, be authentic as they lead. Did you find that was uh, a a big issue among pastors? Yeah, so this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to conduct this research, uh, because there have been some spectacular leadership failures in the church, and I was curious whether or not it had to do with stress and not accessing our own thoughts and feelings and then leading in a way that is unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And that did stand out. Now, there could be a few reasons. One is psychological safety. If you actually look at what pastors are saying they're going through on a regular basis in their ministry, you may not feel safe to actually feel vulnerable mm. or to share your vulnerability. Uh, It could be lack of opportunity. Um, So if you're working long hours and you're doing lots and you've got your family to serve as well, you may just not make time or space or have the opportunity to sit back and reflect and make sense of your feelings. And the next is we may just not be very, uh, we may not be formed that way. Uh, some, Some people can be very suspicious of psychology and ministry that, you know, does it re- can we really trust our feelings? Mm. Uh, I think it's a combination of these things. Mm. 
Well, our guest on the phone today is Valerie Ling. Uh, she is with us for the next uh, 10 minutes or so. She's a clinical psychologist leading the Centre for Effective Serving, and she's been researching Aussie pastors and clergy and the pressures they face. If you've got a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Now's the time to call 1-800-316-316. Now, Valerie, I'm also curious to know a bit about pastoral supervision. Uh, in the movement yeah. I'm a part of, there's been lots of talk recently that, you know, like for me personally, I have a mentor, a guy named Tim Hanna from Partners in Ministry. We meet every couple of months or every few months, and, and he asks me all the hard questions, and we have a good chat. And then I've got two other pastor mates. We meet every couple of months, and we call each other lightning rods where we can just download all the stuff we're going yeah. through, and yeah. we pray for each other, we support each other, and we're of a similar age, you know. Those two meetings that I have regularly are a great help to me as a pastor, and uh you know, I'll I'll be the first to admit too. I've had counselling in the past. My wife and I've been to to you know counselling before when we we're going through tough times. You know, after pastoring for seventeen years, you know, we've had a couple of times where we've been to counselling. You know, and I think some pastors think that they're super pastor and they're bulletproof and they don't need to download or they don't need to get help from anyone. Um, what's your researching finding? Uh, research finding on this topic. So I think it's really important. If we look at the professions who are uh, at risk of burnout, doctors, healthcare professionals, even edu the educators, uh, that is one of the key things that comes out, which is peer support, mm. as well as some kind of supervision. Now, supervision can be misunderstood because if we use that word outside, it, may, it might sound like, oh, someone looking over your shoulder and telling you all the things you're doing wrong and fixing it. Mm -hmm. But actually, supervision is a third space for you to reflect on your practice, right? It's, it's formative mm -hmm. in that it, it gives you knowledge and skills from someone who can act, help you to access where your gaps might be. It's also normative. It just helps you to see what is, you know, what's going okay in your world and what's not. And it's restorative. It's healing. It's, it's meant for us to bring the burdens of the past week or the month to, to gain insight and to express how we're feeling. And I think that final function, that's really necessary when we're serving people. Because mm. when we're in ministry, or in a psychologist, or when we're a doctor, we can't tell the people that we're serving how we feel. Mm. That would not be appropriate. So we have to have a space that we can do that so we can make sense of what we're feeling and then figure out what the next steps are. Mm. And from your research, what pastors, uh, what percentage of pastors are currently seeing psychologists? Well, about a third are actually accessing uh, mental health services, and mm -hmm. I don't know, I would suspect, if I had to guess, just based on our clientele, a lot of that will already be because they are in distress, mm -hmm. uh, depression, anxiety, and burnt out. I don't know, anecdotally, whether very many would be accessing things like mentoring and, and supervision uh, upstream. And one of the things that I'm keen to get out is even when we are meeting with peers, are we talking about the role or are we actually talking about the person? Mm. You know, do we ask the questions about how's your family doing? How are you doing? Or how's your heart going? How's mm. your spiritual life doing? Or are we mainly trying to problem solve how to fix things in the church and in our job? Mm. And, you know, I... 
remember at Bible College many years ago when I had hair, a long time ago, uh, <laughs> I, I remember uh, the pastors and the, the principal of the Bible College talking about the importance of having a Sabbath, the importance of having regular holidays, uh, the importance yes. of filling your tank because, you know, we, we're constantly giving. We've got to learn to to uh, take some time. And I remember one of the stories they told was about a an old wood chopper and a young wood chopper. The young wood chopper would just chop, 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 chop away until his axe went blunt. But the old yeah. wise wood chopper would chop a bit and then he'd stop and sharpen his axe. And then he'd chop Absolutely. again and then he'd stop and he'd sharpen his axe, you know. And he said, we need to be yeah. like the old wise wood chopper. We need to stop and sharpen our axe. That's why Sabbath is important. That's why holidays are important, you know. Um, how important do you think that is uh, for not just pastors but for everyone to stop and sharpen the axe every now and then? Super crucial. Mm. And actually, talking about rest is probably the hardest thing I have to do when I'm out talking to people in ministry and even health professionals. Mm. Uh, we don't, we've lost the art for resting. Mm. A lot of times I have to start people with what I call productive rest, right? which is, okay, you, you don't feel comfortable stopping and doing nothing and gazing out and just thinking nothing. So we'll start with productive rest. Productive rest is where you're using your hands, but with something else, like in the garden or in the woodshed or, you know, something to get people used to just letting go mm. of the email, of the Facebook, of all the stimulus that comes in. Yeah, we've lost that. Yeah. What about surfing? Is that a good one? Can I do that? That's excellent. Yeah, good. Both okay. Excellent. All right, I'm going surfing <laughs> after this. That sounds good. <laughs> and you know what, Matt? I wouldn't kid about this. I said that's part of the job. Yeah. You know, congregation members can actually encourage their ministers by saying, I love seeing you rest. Yeah. I love seeing you holiday. Yeah. You know, I know that you're taking care of you know the hardware and the software when you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And and you know, let, let's talk about that because you know, for me as a pastor, I've been blessed many times by congregation members or other pastors that have, you know, shouted me a meal or they've given me movie yeah. tickets or. Um, yeah. And I actually heard of a Christian businessman recently that heard that his pastor and his son were struggling, and he paid for his pastor to go on a two week holiday with his son just to help them in their relationship. And I thought, wow, I want that guy's number. <laughs> but <laughs> but we need to support our pastors and not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Sometimes we need to actually bless them to help them have a good break, don't we? Yeah, and, and that doesn't have to always be monetary. I think it's yeah. got to do with being interested and giving them permission. Yeah. So, you know, when we're interested in what's happening between them and their son, yeah. uh, when we're actually curious to know, well, what's life like for you at the moment, I can relate too. I get it. You know, how can we encourage and, and be friends with you and journey with you yeah. as, as you journey with us. Mm, it's such a blessing to have friendship in mm. your church. Now, we're talking a lot about pastors, but let's also uh, ask the question, you know, what about youth leaders? What about children's workers, elders, uh, you know, admin staff at churches? Uh, are they subject to similar pressures that, that pastors are? I would say so. I, I think it, it can, in some ways it can be harder for this group of people because they may not always have the official ways to receive, um, you know, to go to conferences mm. or to be part of peer support groups 
or to have that input uh, for them. And I can, I think they can often go unseen. Mm. And so sometimes their work can be quite dis, um, just a, 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 you know, a dumping ground as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. All the unseen things just get dumped onto this level of people who are serving in the church. And that's not a very joyful um, or restful space to be in. Yeah. And we talked about productive rest before, you know, about like doing some woodwork or some gardening or I said surfing, you know. Um, I also think uh, just doing some physical exercise is so oh, important. Sure. Um, I've been trying to go for runs regularly for the last few yeah. years since COVID, actually. I've been, I go for a 3K run almost every day. Uh, my son and I go to the gym together twice a week and have a workout, you know. Um, yeah. uh, my wife and I are always trying to watch our, our food, you know, to eat healthy um, because, you know, often you can – just get takeout or drive through or whatever just to keep it easy. But you you got to, you know, I mean, our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, to, to have good mental health, you also need good physical health. They go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, particularly because in ministry, and that includes wives and kids as well, mm. a lot of it's emotional stress. And the way that the body copes with that is to basically hold it in our body. Right, So you can't yell at someone, so it swallows that emotion into your body and encodes it in your muscles as tension. Mm. And so the best way to release that is through movement. Now, not all of us can do you know, runs and things like that, but being able to go for walks or swimming, starting with really small ways to help your muscles to relax and some of that emotional stress to actually leave our body is really important. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Well, our time is almost up, and uh, I just wanted to say, you know, it's been so inspiring to hear about your research and your ministry. Uh, the website is effectiveserving.com.au. Uh, Valerie Ling is a clinical psychologist leading the Centre for Effective Serving, and she's been researching Aussie pastors and clergy and the pressures they face. Now, Valerie, uh, before we wrap up, um, I'm just wondering, you know, there's probably people listening that have been going through stress, have been going through, you know, burnout, have been going through mental health battles. And, you know, as Christians, we obviously believe that prayer uh, is one of the most important things uh, for those that are struggling. Would it be okay if I just asked, would you pray for our listeners, anyone listening right now that's going through a tough time, um, for uh, the Lord to, you know, guide them and help them in their tough time? Would that be all right? Sure, I'd love to. All right, well, take it away. Lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have made us to love you and to love one another. Help us to know that everything that has needed to be done has been done on the cross, that you are a perfect, loving Savior. Help us then to rest deeply in that knowledge and to find our comfort and our strength in your truth and not in the lies of this age and the enemy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, Valerie, it's been a pleasure to have you on the radio with us today. Once again, the website is effectiveserving.com.au if people want to find out more. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.